All right, so we're back. We are back. Season three. Well, you know, I remember the last time we recorded, I said, I said, we're not going to record again until the Cowboys score 40 points in a game. And here we are, a year and a half later, recording the pod. We are officially back. So thank you, Coach Garrett. Yes. For finally coming through for us. Our Ivy League genius of a coach. <laughs> you know, I love uh I love how bad radio just is like when we complain about Beasley getting the ball, he gets ten balls thrown his way. When we complain about Zach not running, he runs the next week. And it's so bad. I know this is a Mavericks podcast, but we're gonna take one minute to complain about the Cowboys. And how the fans really coach the team. It's just shocking, right? <laughs> well, and all the clamoring about the fourth and one in Houston. And then yesterday, if two fourth and one situations come up. And this time the Cowboys are going for it. You know, it's just whenever you're in a position where you feel like you're smarter than the team or the coaches of the team that you root for, it's just such a terrible place to be in as a fan, you know? <laughs> It's not ideal. Oh, my God. It's the worst. And we do not feel that way about Rick Carlisle because he is a grumpy genius. (laughs) And I don't think he's ever had a real nickname, but I I kind of like the grumpy genius. Yeah. Gigi, we'll call him. But he he was right about Nerland, right? He was. Nerland was pretty much a zero and uh, signed for, what, the minimum? Uh, yep. Okay, see. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. and how about? I mean, talk about. You know, everyone has those moments in their life where, oh man, if I only had made this decision, like we all live with some regret, maybe in, in some way, yeah. shape, or form. But how about this guy who who could have oh, been man. the owner of the worst contract in the NBA right now, but pulling yeah. in eight, eighteen million a year, and was yeah. like, no way, I'm rolling the dice. <laughs> I and bet on myself. He, He's not going to make 18 million in his career now, probably. Yeah, like he's going to be close. No, he won't. So so there's your Oklahoma City Thunder preview. Yep, real quick. There's the Nerland's Noel. So today, I think it's officially episode 35. That sounds about right. Yeah, 35. Yeah, season three, and this is the first year we've done this podcast where um, we have official hope and excitement for the Mavericks. There is legit. We are not trying to talk ourselves into Seth Curry or uh, who are some others? Nerland's Noel, yeah. Justin I mean, Anderson. There was real um, excitement when we traded for Nerland's Noel. Andrew like Bogut. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, this is. This is no convincing podcast. This is just pure excitement today. Yeah, I would say I was Epic thinking moment. about it earlier today. Probably the most excited I've been since the 94-95 season after the Mavericks drafted Jason Kidd. Yeah, I think I would agree in terms of rookie excitement. Right. At that point, I didn't think the Mavericks were all of a sudden going to be, you know, they weren't going to win a championship that year, but... I was like, we're, we could finally eventually be good as long yeah. as we keep this guy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, three trades, 
and uh, 16 years later, I mean, it was, it was spot on. Jason you were right. was here yeah. for a title. Yeah. Let's hope Luca is never traded, along with Dennis. <laughs> I, I love Dennis Mitt Jr. Uh, I, I, I really hope they um, they have the exact opposite chemistry that the three J's had, you know? <laughs> yeah. Turns out Jim Jackson, Jamal Mashburn, and Jason Kidd while they made a funny poster together, they did not necessarily get along at all. Yeah. And, you know, to to their credit, I mean, so far, like, I don't know. It's interesting. It's very generational because, um, you know, it seems like Luca and Dennis just want to play video games and hang out and have fun. Yet, so that seems childlike, yet they appear more mature. You know, they're like, they're just, they just want to play basketball. You know? Well, and, yeah, and and Bill Simmons talks about this and and how like kind of the the, Le, the LeBron generation of players has sort of led to this this newer generation coming up and kind of having their crap together a little bit more. Like they're a little bit polished in media interviews, uh-huh. even though they are still like. 19, 20 years old and still have a lot to learn about basketball. It's like Mm -hmm. they come in and they don't like, there's not really fooling around anymore. It's like you come in and and you work and you try to get better. And yeah, I mean, I think that's what you're seeing from Dennis Smith Jr. Not that he's on, you know, the level of like LeBron and those guys, but he's he's of that generation. And then Luka Doncic, I mean, he's been a pro for, He's he like 14. 14 years old, which <laughs> yeah. is ridiculous. Yeah. It's absurd. He's so but, polished. Yeah, he's just used to playing with grown men and being around grown men. So, of course, you're going to be much more mature than, you know, whatever your age is. Yeah. No, it's very yeah. true. Yeah, I feel I feel really good about the two of them. And uh, with the addition of DeAndre Jordan, I mean, uh, this is this is a complete starting lineup. This is a complete... It's really a complete lineup going into the bench too. If you've got Dirk and Berea off the bench, so yeah. And okay. Now Wesley Matthews and, and Harrison Barnes are now in kind of ideal situations because they're just yeah two, two other starters and not the guys carrying this team. I agree. I mean, you could argue that they are the four and the five in terms of rank of the lineup. Uh, just because Jordan is so important for rebounding and defense, obviously scoring not as much, but still, right, his, his importance in the lineup. Agree. So, I think we talked about today, uh, maybe doing a Western Conference preview, right? Right. Just uh, kind of easing into the season. I think the season starts tomorrow. Correct. Right. If you're listening to this. It's uh, Monday the 15th, and then Tuesday the 16th, there's a doubleheader, uh, Philly and Boston, and then OKC will get to watch the Warriors get their rings. Uh, that's the late game. And then Wednesday, a uh, full slate of games, and that's when we get the Dallas Mavericks at Phoenix Suns Wednesday okay. night. That will be exciting, and I do predict a victory for the first game of the year. I'm just going to throw that out there. Yeah, uh, you got to feel pretty good. I mean, Phoenix, I mean, while they had, you know, the number one pick and brought in Aiden, and, you know, I think Devin Booker is, is Devin Booker still hurt? I think, didn't he get hurt? Yeah, this, yeah this he's season? definitely, yeah, yeah. Some scooter accident. But he's definitely going to be playing, uh, not playing tomorrow. 
sure when yeah so so with Booker out I mean they that's that's not a good team to begin with but with Booker out you have to expect they're they're going to be even less not good well they did sign uh, Jamal Crawford today (laughs) oh well I stand correct let me go call Vegas (laughs) and get that line adjusted yeah um, yeah, well, he's definitely that. a guy that can, can catch fire. I mean, Jamal Crawford, and didn't they pick up? Uh, they brought in Trevor Ariza. Maybe they overpaid him. Yeah, they're a real strange team. They uh, they do have Trevor Ariza now, and they just fired their GM. So I, I really don't know what they're doing, but uh, I feel good about a victory. I definitely feel good about a victory. So I think what we want to do. Do we want to just preview the Western Conference today? Uh, I think, you know, as far as relevance to the Maverick, one, I think I think the Eastern Conference is, is a little bit more straightforward. I mean, we could certainly, you know, talk a little bit about them, and we will during the season. But I, th- I think my, my thought as far as previewing the season is let's look at the West and see what the chances are. Are like like where do the Mavericks finish? Well, where can yeah. we reasonably expect them to finish in the West? Yeah, I so. uh, I'm on board. Uh, I guess we start at the top and work our way down. Uh, yeah, who you got I, as your one seed. Uh, this is gonna it's gonna come as a little bit of a surprise to people, but I'm gonna go ahead and take the Golden State Warriors. Okay, now. It can be jokingly said as a shocker, but let's remind everyone, they were not the one seed last year. That's so, true. That's true. Yeah. The Houston Rockets. But That's right. I think uh, I think they're going to be – you know, actually, I can't say they're going to be more focused. They're definitely going to take nights off. But I think the Rockets got a little bit worse, and I also think the conference overall is a little bit tougher. Yeah. So the idea of Houston, who I think won like what sixty-seven games last year or something like that. Yeah, it was up there. Yeah, I I don't see that happening this year. I, I think they're going to pace themselves a little more. We'll probably see more days off from Chris Paul. That I don't see them slipping below maybe the two seed, right? So I mean, I think it's Golden State and Houston is one two, but yeah. I, I think the Warriors end up on top. I agree with that. Um... I think too much has been made of the DeMarcus Cousins signing. I think he's a really tough fit for them. And the thing that I think Dallas Maverick fans remember is, you know, Wesley Matthews, Matthews, when he signed here, he was coming off the same injury and he sucked for two years before he really came back to form. And we know for a fact, Wesley Matthews was. There's no way Demarcus Cousins is working as hard or worked as hard as Wes, Math, Wes Matthews did to get back. So yeah, I just see equally hard. Yeah, That's no, there's of. no way. Yeah, he just right. doesn't have right. it. And so I'm like, I'm just convinced he's he's going to either have a hitch in his running style if he comes back early, or he's really not going to come back till late in the year and even then he's going to be like on a JaVale McGee level of just contribution because his athletic ability is going to be hindered for at least 24 months in my opinion no I agree I think I I don't think you can really see him as a a major contributor I think they're going to have fun and run out a lineup where he's the center with with their big four 
but I think it's going to be a much more ground-bound center. And and like you said, not really a great fit for the way they normally play. It yeah. does. He's not. His skills won't necessarily be diminished. So I, I don't think you'll see him. You know, take people off the dribble like you saw him at the beginning of last year in New Orleans, and right. and do some of the things that you know he was just killing the league for a while there, but. But I think he's still going to be able to post up and get them a basket, which is something they haven't had too much of. I mean, Durant can certainly do that, but it's more with a yeah. jump shot rather than just kind of bully his way in there and get a basket. Like I think, uh, I think uh, what it comes down to, do. yeah, I think what it comes down to, it's, it's going to be sort of smoke and mirrors where people are going to be thinking like, you know, you're right. He might have a big game where he has 20 and 10 late in the year uh, against, you know, like Utah who's posting up Derek favors, you know, and they go back and forth. But I, I feel like for the most part um, it's, it's not going to be real. And, and against teams like Houston and Boston, it's just going to be completely useless, you know? Yeah. I, I think he'll have, I think the JaVale McGee comparison was, was good and, and probably spot on. And that it's like, yeah, that's, that's about what you can expect from a contribution yeah. level. I think he's definitely better than JaVale McGee, but, but that's kind of. Yeah. He could spot what, up. He could yeah. three. It's just, he's not going to be contributing on a rebounding athletic ability, defensive end of the floor at all. Well, and, and not um, at the level <clears> that, He's he's going to have a bigger name than he will actually an impact. You know, I mean, it, it's still Demarcus Cousins, and yeah, 100%. certainly there's a bigger reputation there. But yeah, not uh, he's not going to be the Demarcus Cousins that is an all star, all NBA guy. Yeah, no, I agree, and I I think um, I don't know. I, I think it's uh, not only that. I have another bold prediction. We're already we're already seeing the talk of Kevin Durant leaving after this year. Yeah. And I feel that chatter, it can only get worse throughout the year, you know? Oh, and Kevin Durant, I, um, I'm very clear on this podcast. I, I really don't care for his personality, but psychologically speaking, he's proven to be fairly like not, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He, he's not good at standing his ground and just being stable. You know, I, I think like, I, I just think he's going to be affected by all of it. And uh, it could cause a little bit of internal, I don't know, discord on the team. Because keep in mind, DeMarcus Cousins is all but guaranteed to not resign next year because he signed a one-year deal and they can only resign him, I think, for like 40% more than his existing contract. So he's he's not going to sign. He wants a big money deal, you know. And uh, I could even see him ending up with the Lakers next year. But he is, it is, unless he bombs this year and does terrible, he's all but guaranteed to just play one year. And so the idea that you have this, you know, I'm playing for myself figure and then I've got one foot out the door supposed star player, I don't know. It, it could it could create a rift in, in, in some way. So I, I definitely don't think it is uh, It's all just going to be a great time over there in Golden State. Yeah, they've played, um, I mean, this, this would be potentially a fifth straight year in the finals, which yeah. I don't and think I am we've seen so a team of, do. 
I'm so sick and tired of them telling us how exhausted they are, too. It's just like, get over it. You know? Seriously, you're exhausted from, you know, shooting wide-open three-pointers 80 times a year? It's just like, get over yourselves, you know? They're just... What an unlikable team. They were so likable, and they are just so unbelievably unlikable now. It's just, yeah, I can't even listen to it. Okay, moving on. I, All right, moving, moving on. I would moving not on. harp on it. Number two seed, I think we both agree, Houston. Uh, even if they do make a Jimmy Butler trade, which would be really interesting, I, I think I just trust in Daryl Morey finding a way for that team to be, at the very least, the two seed. Yeah, I mean, I think just talent-wise, if, if Chris Paul stays healthy, and I think they're going to manage his minutes a little bit more. And, you know, I, I think they lost some talent uh, off this team from last year, but you still have the MVP. And yeah. they're still, just their style of play is, is great for the regular season. So I think it's yeah. easy enough for them to, to win win enough games to be a two-seed. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, the, the pieces around, like Eric Gordon, P.J. Tucker – um, they even got Brandon Knight and Marquise Chris. Like, I, I think they're going to find ways to just, you know, get production out of all those guys, and they'll be solid again. And, and they can compete for the one seed, too, depending on how things go with Golden State. Right. And here's where it gets interesting. The three seed. The three seed. I have to say we're probably looking at three teams here. Yeah. Uh, Utah, OKC, or the Lakers. That's that's exactly who I have. Yeah, it's one okay. of those three teams is going to be. I think that's in some order: three, four, and five in the West. Who is your pick for three? I'm going to go with Utah, just because of the. I think the stability. It's like going into last season, nobody knew what to expect. I think going into this year, it's like you know, going into last year, they lost Gordon Hayward and they had a rookie in Donovan Mitchell. Now everyone everyone knows what they have in Mitchell, and and he's a stud. And uh, yeah. you know, Quinn Snyder's proven to be a pretty good coach there. And so, I think just on the stability factor, and just that they're a little bit more proven than the other two. Not to say LeBron's not proven, but it's more of a supporting cast. Um, I'm going to give Utah the edge, and, and say so they end up with the three seed. Yeah, I think before the uh, Russell Westbrook injury, I probably would have put an OKC at three. Um, I think now I'm going to have to go with the Lakers simply because, you know, LeBron in that starting lineup, he's, I mean, already surpassed what he had in Cleveland by far. Like, no offense to Kevin Love, but... I think Brandon Ingram is just a more versatile player, both yeah. offensively and defensively. Then you throw in Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, um, Josh Hart. You, you're just talking about just a lot of players. It, you know, I haven't even said Rondo. Um, you know, Caldwell, all these Caldwell Pope is on the Caldwell team Caldwell Pope is okay. I mean, yeah. I... I wouldn't pay him ten million a year, but he he still contributes, and so it's a really deep team. Like Caldwell Pope would have been third best player on Cleveland last year, you know. Yeah, and I think the other factor too is LeBron is just so much happier in L.A. in California under Magic Johnson's tutelage. He's just a happier guy, and, and I think like 
I could just see him caring about the regular season more, having fun. Um, and he, I, I could even see him, you know, trying to push out an MVP year just uh, out of, like, his last, you know, if he's not going to win the title, he might as well win MVP this year, kind of kind of push. But uh, yeah. I definitely see the Lakers as a three seed. And then uh, Utah is the four. So who do you have as your four? I'd put the Lakers at four. Okay. Um, and so then, we're flip-flopping there. Yeah, flip-flopping there and OKC at five. And, and that's really, like, I think it's because Russell Westbrook will start the year injured. Yeah. And, you know, if that becomes a nagging injury, I, I think they'll still be pretty good. Um, yeah. But definitely not. Uh, a top four team in the West. So I'll, I'll so put we, them squarely at five. Okay. So we both have OKC at five. Um, the Roberson injury is disappointing because I actually think they'd be pretty darn intriguing if they had Roberson back as well as uh, Dennis Schroeder off the bench. But um, I don't know. We'll see. You know, Paul George is settled. Um, it's going to be an interesting uh I don't know, evolution of the team with no talk of free agency or anything. You know, the roster's kind of set. And, well, uh, it's funny. We actually we glossed over the fact that Houston picked up Carmelo Anthony after Oklahoma City dumped him. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we glossed over it. We, I just well, we don't didn't know. mention it. <laughs> yeah, we didn't mention well, it. I mean, well, there was a funny. It's just funny to me thinking about that because you know, uh, Carmelo Anthony is a fairly big name in the in yeah. the game, but you know, it's kind of meaningless that he's joined the Houston Rockets to a degree. We did we did get the Jamal Crawford signing though, so we did. You know, <laughs> yeah. so that was there. Okay, so we got OKC at five. That. I, I'm going to say uh, I'm going to put the Pelicans in at six. I think they're still looking good despite losing Rondo. Um, what's your take? See, yeah, I I think New Orleans, I think Anthony Davis is too good. And yeah. still, I mean, I think he kind of proved that in the playoffs last year. Not that he hadn't proven it before, but really showed. I mean, just, just took it to another level, it seemed like, in the playoffs. So. Well, and everybody made a big deal about Cousins going out, but Meritick and him as a combination, yeah, they were they were amazing. Yeah, you know, um, and they signed Julius Randle. Yeah, which those three can't play together necessarily, but I think Randle's good, and the way that Meritick and Davis get injured, that's a nice uh, insurance policy, you know? Right. So I think they're a solid six. I, I think they learned to win last year. Um, Drew Holiday's back. Um, you know, I'm really shocked they didn't try to sign Yogi Ferrell because he would have been a great point guard for that team. And they've got Alfred Payton starting. I don't know if he's starting, but him and uh, who's that point guard from Duke they drafted two years ago? Frank Clark. Is that his name? Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. Let's get Jay on the hotline. Um, I think it is Frank Clark, and, and unless he comes out and does something really good, I'd, I'd, I'd still call their point guard position really weak. Like they could have easily find Yogi Ferrell, and I mean, 
I I don't miss him from the Mavericks, but he was good, you know. Yeah, I would agree with that. He's certainly not uh, great, but he's pretty good. Frank Jackson, is that him? I think you're right. Might be Frank Jackson. Yeah. Frank Jackson, Frank Clark. Yeah, you know. Frank Jackson. Okay. Um. All right. At the seventh spot, starting to get interesting here. Yeah, this, uh, you is gotta... where, this is where I started to struggle, and so I kind of started to work from the bottom up. I said, all right. I'm not struggling and... here. <laughs> well, I took out the Clippers, Kings, and Suns. I was like, okay, none of those three teams are making the playoffs. Right? Yes, correct, correct. Um, and then I, I kind of I, – I feel like the only team that I feel confident enough to put at the seventh spot would be – the Denver Nuggets. That's where I'm at. Denver Nuggets. Yeah. No. All right. Yeah. I I like Denver. Um, they're just they're just deep. You know. I don't think they'll get anything out of Michael Porter this year, but Paul Millsap will be back. He was a big addition last year, and he didn't play much at all. Um, they've just got a pretty solid team, you know. So. Uh, Moutier is not there anymore, but um, Jamal Murray, if he could, you know, step it up. I think he's their point guard, right? Yeah, I think so. Or uh, what's the other guy, Gary Harris? Yeah, he's a two. Okay. So that's a pretty good backcourt. I I think that and uh, what's his name, Jokic in the middle. Yeah. I think that's pretty solid. I think... They uh, edge out the eighth seed and get the seventh seed, but that those two spots, it's going to be like it's been the last few years, where the seven and eight spot, it's basically going to be seven, eight, nine, ten, and uh, but the eighth, I uh, I definitely see the Mavericks getting the eighth the spot, okay, edging edging the uh, Blazers and the Timberwolves. I see the wow. Spurs completely out. See, I have the Spurs ended up ended up ending up in the eighth spot with the Mavericks nine. Mm. And here's my logic: there, the Spurs last year won 47 games. Yeah, and Kawhi Leonard hardly played. Mm-hmm. And then they added Demar Derozan. Well, who's, a, who's an all-star? I mean, that's. I mean, he's a really good player. And so, my, my counterback though is they've lost Dejounte Murray for the year. Yeah, already. Um, and what gets forgotten in the Kawhi trade is they lost Danny Green too. Yeah. And you know, I think Mavs fans made the. Tr- they, <laughs> I think for several years we just kept comparing our championship lineup with our present lineup and being like, "Yeah, we should be good," but in reality is the the reality is when all the other lineups are just better than you. You're just not going to be good. And, you know, I think even Dirk has said, like, yeah, 2011 team wouldn't win, you know, wouldn't have beaten the Warriors. And so it's just right, right. you can't attribute, you know, catching lightning in, a, in the bo- in a bottle or just the right timing as the benchmark for playoff team. And I just don't think the Spurs have enough talent. And I think if they get one injury – one more injury, really. Uh, I could see Pop just being like, "Yeah, it's not worth it. Let's let's get a good pick and start over next year." You know, which yeah. he's done before with uh, 
getting Tim Duncan and Dave Robinson together. So, and I think the Mavs are going to be so much more enthusiastic towards every game, like versus like a Rudy Gay and Pau Gasol, you know, that that kind of momentum is going to push them to the eighth seed and uh, they are going to be back in the playoffs this year. Well, I think it's going to be really close. Yeah. I don't think it's Spurs like hands down, but I think it's hard to pick against. I still think, you know, Popovich, you know, being as good a coach as he is, and I think DeRozan's going to come in and be pretty motivated. And, uh, and Gasol and Gay are just good enough. You know, like uh, I hear what you're saying from an enthusiasm standpoint, that might make the difference down the stretch if there's just a game or two separating the teams in the last couple of weeks. But, um, I don't know. Right now, I've got I've got them at eight and Mavericks just missing the playoffs at the nine spot. Well, I'm looking more at this on a sports karma level, and Dirk has Dirk has uh, fulfilled his uh, he got his uh, what do you call it revenge on Miami for 2006 and 2011. And there's one more thing he needs vengeance for, <laughs> and that is the Golden State Warriors booting him out when he was MVP and the number one oh, wow. seed. Wow. And so my wow. bold prediction, my bold prediction is in Dirk's likely last season, we come in in the eighth spot. In game one, Kevin Durant goes out with a shaky knee injury. His team questions him, and then Dennis Smith and Luca just get in a zone, and we pull off the upset of the ages to close out Dirk's career and close the door on the Golden State dynasty. And that would and that would also close that arena. This is the last year for the Warriors in Oakland. Yeah, this has got to happen. For wow. this is more than sports karma. This is sports justice. <laughs> this has to happen. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And Mark Cuban in a you know, in a stroke of marketing genius will have we believe uh T shirts out for everybody for that oh, first round brilliant. matchup. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. And uh it. yeah. I love so it. So there I'm, you go. I'm mad I didn't think of that. That's, I can't believe really you didn't see it coming. I can't believe I, you didn't see it coming. It's all right there. It's all right, <laughs> it's there. All right there. Um, so quickly, the other three teams in the West, Portland, Minnesota, and Memphis, I, I think all three of these teams are kind of a mess. And well, I can see all three of yeah. them ending up like trading significant pieces during the season. I think those are great points, yeah. I mean, Portland is similar to San Antonio where – Again, you could be like, hey, we're the fourth seed. What's wrong with us? Blah, blah, blah. But they just didn't get better. I actually really like Seth Curry. Um, Seth Curry and CJ McCollum, very similar players. I like them both a lot. Um, I just don't think they have enough when it comes down to it. I, I actually like a lot of their players, but um, even Zach Collins. But um, they just don't have enough. And I think in the end... You know, I could, and, and there's something weird about uh, Lillard. You know, I, I could see him. I haven't quite figured him out, but I wouldn't be surprised if he uh, if he either asked for a trade or if they just said, you know, we need to do something because it's just it's, 
you know, if they're piddling around near the trade deadline at 500 and like the 10th seed, I could see them just being like, look, this, we got to reboot, you know? Yeah, that's what I have kind of written down about Portland is one of those guards maybe gets traded and yeah. just kind of, just kind of start over there. Uh, yeah, not a, not a complete start over because you get something for one of those two, but you know, uh, it's, uh, you're still kind of starting over from a chemistry standpoint, even if you brought in someone significant there. Yeah, and then with Memphis, I feel like they kind of missed their window to trade their guys because I, I don't know who wants Conley at thirty million a year, and I don't even know. I mean, I guess Gasol they could get a first for, but I, I don't know if they're going to get a haul for, you know? Well, but he's got a giant contract, too. Like, that's the thing. Yeah, like, yeah. The guys they kind of have to offload, which would be, I mean, no one's ever taken Parsons. And then Conley and, you know, Gasol, it's like, how do you even make the trade work? Yeah, you, know, you have you have to come within like eighty percent of someone's salary. So yeah. you're either trading someone with an equally bad contract, or you know, a couple of significant pieces, and none of those guys are good enough to come in and sort of be the tipping point for like a championship team. Like if you're if you're Utah, would you give up anybody on your young roster to add one of those three guys? No, I don't think so. I mean, maybe yeah. Dante Exum? I don't know. Right. But how much does Dante Exum make a few million dollars? Okay, so you're still $20 million short of making this trade, you know? Yeah, that's true. So it's, it's just, I think the math is never going to work for a trade to, to a team unless you're talking about uh, trading with, like, an equally mediocre team that, like, like Washington yeah. Where it's like, you know, you can swap Otto Porter and, and like, I don't know, Mike, I, I don't know what you do there. Because obviously they have John Wall and Bradley Beal. But, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like it would have to be something like that. Someone with a, some bloated contracts that need to be offloaded. Yeah. I mean, either way, they're just not going to compete for a playoff spot, which comes to show. But I, I think, you know, honestly, for the first half of the year, you're probably going to have the top 12 teams in the conference all neck and neck. I mean, I think it's going to be tight. But um, I feel pretty good about, you know, I don't see how the Mavs aren't in the thick of it. You know, their their lineup, I feel, can compete. Like, put them up against, like, like, Portland's lineup. You know, even though Lillard is great, I mean, Dennis Smith Jr. could hang with him, you know? Yeah. And, and would you rather have DeAndre or Nurkic, you know? Yeah, and DeAndre Jordan should have a pretty big impact because that's, I mean, you know, as much as we love Tyson Chandler here, DeAndre Jordan is yeah. even better when it comes to rebounding and defense and, you know, filling the lane. Yeah, and CJ um, McCollum is, is great on offense, but Wesley Matthews is going to be better on defense than him. You know, there, yeah. there's there's some arguments to be made for each position, and then you throw in Luca and Barnes. Uh, I don't even know who their forwards are, but I feel like that beats them. You know, well, and, and one thing I looked up is last year the Mavericks had 34 losses by seven points or less. Wow! And so, like a team as bad as the Mavericks were, were really 34. competitive. Yeah. yeah. 
34 that's all that's all carlisle right there yeah and so you think about this year when you add talent like Doncic and deandre jordan uh, uh, to this group and dennis smith jr gets a little bit better like all of a sudden it's like well i mean some of those games should tip in your favor you know like yeah. there's I think I think DSJ is our, you know, leading scorer throughout the year, like consistently. Yeah, I think yeah, I, I think so. And, and you know, Doncic ends up kind of filling up the stat sheet, um, just like he's done in the preseason. I mean, it's been really fun in the preseason to see him, you know, do a little scoring, do a little passing, and you know, getting some rebounds. He's had a couple block shots. You know, he's he's just going to do a little bit of everything. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I think it's going to be fascinating just down the stretch um, of games because now you've got a couple of playmakers and, you know, I mean, say what you want about Harrison Barnes's contract. I mean, that may be, you know, way more than he deserves, but sure. I, I feel pretty good if down the stretch Barnes and Matthews are shooting wide open threes because yeah. Smith, Smith and Doncic are able to draw on the defense. Yeah, completely. And, you know, Barnes is a third or fourth option is great. And, and that is arguable because on a pick and roll, like, I mean, DeAndre's gonna, he might average, what do you think, like 18 and 16? I mean, he's just gonna have so many easy buckets. It's just yeah. ridiculous. Oh, yeah. 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 No, and I mean, we were a terrible rebounding team the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And now you add, you know, Jordan and, hey, look, Doncic is, what six six nine six ten? Uh, probably closer to six eight. But okay, you know, it doesn't matter. Body. Starting yeah. at power forward, yeah, right, yeah. So that's a uh, you know that's another advantage for sure. Yeah, no, it, it's it's a really solid starting lineup. I think off the bench you have JJ Dirk and uh, Maxi Claver has looked amazing in preseason. Have you watched him? Yeah, he's been. He's been really good. I mean, Dwight Powell still makes plays, and now we kind of know he's, what to expect from him. He's kind of <laughs> he's kind of everything we thought Powell would become, shooting wise, right? Like yeah, Powell's, no. Powell's never put it together shooting wise, but Kleber has just like he was. He's been amazing. Yeah, he's been he's been really fun to watch, um, and yeah. he's going to be great off the bench. And you know, Dirk's not going to be ready to start the season, so he's that's right. Gonna, he's going to have minutes early yeah. on for sure. Um, and you still have a uh, Devin Harris in the mix too. Yeah, and then uh, who's the guy we drafted that looks reminds me of Shane Larkin? Jalen oh, Brunson. Jalen Brunson, National <laughs> Player of the Year last year yeah. from Villanova. Shane, Shane Larkin, 2.0. <laughs> Dad, Rick Brunson was also a uh, from NBA pro for several years. Yeah, I I want to like Jalen Brunson, but there's something about how he dribbles. You know, he kind of dribbles kind of high. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess the... I don't know. It makes him look shorter than he is. The ball just looks so gigantic when he's dribbling it so high. It's, it's some weird optical illusion yeah. he creates. Yeah, I'm just like, I can't get, it just doesn't foster any confidence. I, I have no confidence in him, but everybody loves him, so I'm giving him a chance. Well, and, you know, he's a, he's a guy who 
I mean, like dad is a professional. He, he was a champion in college and he was, he's played in a lot of big games. Like I think he's, I was really like when we got to the second round, he was still available. I was really pulling for the Mavericks to pick him up just because that's, that's the kind of guy that, you know, I, I think is kind of under, uh, underestimated now in the draft. Everybody kind of gets the one and done guys or the, or the project kind of guys. And, and here's a guy where, he may not get appreciably better, but he may be pretty good already as far as a yeah, contributor goes. I'll be honest. I was a little disappointed with the pick only because I just don't like short point guards, you know. And I think um, there was a guy, God, I forget. He was a three. He was a three and D wing out of uh, Tulane that I really wanted. I think he was available. I'm totally blanking out on his name. But uh, anyways, I actually think okay. I have another bold prediction for this long podcast. Here we go. I think I think Randolph is going to end up contributing more than Brunson this year by the end of the year. Really? I love that guy. Have you watched him play? I don't think I've seen much of Randolph. No. Oh my god, he's a beast. So I think is that his name, Randolph? I'm trying the, to think. I'm like the other I, second round pick. Oh, oh, uh, Ray Spaulding? Spaulding. <laughs> Randolph. <laughs> I was like, I'm trying to sit here and think. I'm like, Randolph? God, I must have missed Randolph. something somewhere. Yeah. I, was, I must yeah. have been, I, I think I saw trading places the other day. <laughs> so I was a little thrown off. <laughs> Randolph and Mortimer. Ray yeah. Spaulding. That guy is a beast. Yeah. No, he's good. He's good. That yeah. was another good pickup. So. That was a great pickup. I think, uh, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if he took some minutes away from Dwight Powell by the end of the year, but that's that was too easy of a prediction, huh? <laughs> Ray Spaulding. We'll yeah, Ray Spaulding. Dwight Powell eventually. Once I get yeah. his name right, he's going to really make a move on the roster. <laughs> <laughs> I really have a lot of faith in that. Just look at the basketball as a reminder of Spaulding. Yeah, yeah. I like that. There you go. So... um yeah, I think that kind of wraps up our prediction show here for the year. Yeah, I mean, it should be a fun start, and, and we're going to try to get you a new episode every week throughout the season. It's going to be yeah, our goal. Def- definitely back on the weekly. Uh, maybe we'll even get some uh, some guest spots from uh, other podcasters. We'll see what we could do. But for sure, you and I, week to week, the Sit Home Brothers are back. Yeah, and I mean, as much excitement, there might even be some post-game shows, I mean, after a big comeback or a big win. Yeah, I'll even, but, I guarantee it now, if we beat Golden State at any point this year, it will be a post-game show. <laughs> there will be a late-night post-game yes. show, so look yes. for that. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. All right, until next week. I'm Matt Yeah, you're Matt Go Mavs. Go Mavs.